This week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayeshev, and we will start with chapter 37, verse number 1, which is the first Pasuk in the Parsha, where the Pasuk says, Vayeshev Yaakov Be'eres Megurei Aviv, Yaakov settled in the land of his father's sojourning, Be'eres Knan in the land of Knan. Rashi, on the second verse, towards the middle, brings down the Oit Nedrash boy, and another interpretation of Vayeshev Yaakov that Yaakov settled, that Bikesh Yaakov Leishev Bishalva, that Yaakov sought to dwell in tranquility, meaning he wanted to settle Vayeshev, Kofatzal of Rogzoil Shal Yosef. But then the ordeal of Yosef sprung upon him. Our Shir today is going to analyze what is written in this section, meaning that Yaakov wanted to live in peace, but then the Roges the anger, the ordeal, the agony of the loss of Yosef, whatever you want to call whatever happened with Rogas of Yosef, affected Yaakov's tranquility. The simple interpretation is the interpretation of the Mizrahi, where the Mizrahi explains that this Vayeshev Yaakov is directly connected to the end of last week's Parsha, where there he describes the happenings to Esau, that Esau had all these kingdoms and he settled them and he had tranquility, and Yaakov thought that once he went through what happened with Lavon, Esau, and Dina, that now finally he could also get some tranquility once he came back to Eretz Israel. But instead, Hashem made whatever happened to Yosef cause the agony to Yaakov, meaning that Yaakov could not be in tranquility because of what happened to Yosef. The Cheskun in Sefer Shteyudois gives an interesting interpretation. He brings down, that the Medrash brings down, that the reason why Yosef was sold was because Yaakov transgressed the prohibition of marrying two sisters. But in truth, in regards to marrying two sisters, there is a good answer that true that our forefathers kept the Torah before it was given in a voluntary basis, that means that they didn't want to transgress the Torah like Atchila. Means in principle they would not transgress the Torah. But once that Yaakov got married, and Yaakov's marriage was allowed because there was no Torah yet, then he didn't want to divorce one of them because eventually the Torah is going to forbid it. Therefore the Cheskoni says that Rachel is the first wife of Yaakov because Rachel was betrothed by the money that he worked for seven years. The value of the seven years' money was for the betrothment of... And once he finished the work, then technically he is married already to Rachel, that Rachel is Yaakov's first wife. And the second wife is Leah, where he acquired it by the relationship that he had with her that first night. And since it was done by mistake, meaning marrying to sister wasn't done... On purpose, it was only done by mistake because Yaakov had relations with Leah thinking that she was Rachel. Then in the morning, Yaakov did not want to divorce them because since it's not yet prohibited by the Torah. True, the Torah is eventually going to prohibit marrying two sisters. But before the Torah was given, the Cheskuni says the others only did not transgress the Torah if it was done in a thought-out way, meaning in a thought-out way, they would not transgress the Torah. But if mistakes happened, 
then they would keep it the way it is, even though it's against the Torah. If that is so, then we have a problem why Yosef was sold, since Yaakov technically did not transgress the outright prohibition of marrying two sisters, then the Haskuni wants to know why, in fact, was Yosef punished. Therefore, the Haskuni explains that there is a machloikas in Kedushin, Daf Memches, Omed Beis, 48b, where there the Gemara brings a disagreement between Rameyer and Chachomim of what is the status of a worker, a laborer. Meaning, when somebody works and I have to pay him the end of the day, for example, do we view it as every hour that he works, I owe him money, and at the end of the day, I pay back the loans that I owe them? And that, in the Gemara's term, is Yashnolis Chirois Mitchilo Vatsov, that the laborer deserves the money from the beginning of the work until the end of the work, meaning every moment he works, he earns money, and at the end, I pay back the money that I owe them? Or do we view it that that all the hours of the day that he works, he doesn't deserve yet any money, he only deserves the money when he completes the day's work. At that time, I own the money for his work, and I pay him. But it is not like the worker is giving me a loan for the money up to the end for the time periods that he worked and it's due him. It's only due him at the end. And the Gemara calls it that Enol is is El that the laborer's wages is only earned at the end. Not every hour, but only at the end. And the Gemara also says there that we have a rule that Hamakadesh Bemilva, somebody who betrothes somebody by forgiving the debt, meaning that say a person is owed money by a woman, and he comes to the woman and he says that I want you to be married by forgiving the loan that you owe me, even though technically it's worth money. The Gemara says, I'm a Kaddish Bemilva, somebody who betrothed a woman with a loan, ain't a she is not betrothed. So it comes out that if I hold that every day the laborer earns wages, and then it is like he gives the loan to the recipient, then if the end of the time I say that I want you to be betrothed by all the labor that I made, then technically she is not betrothed because you are betrothing her by a loan and therefore she would not be betrothed. But if I say that the wages are only earned at the end, then at the end this person has to give you money. And then a person tells a woman that I want you to be betrothed with the money that you have to give me now for my wages, then it's never a loan. It's money that exists now and therefore the woman would be betrothed. The Cheskuni says it comes out according to this by the story of Yaakov Ivlavon, where Yaakov said to Lavon that I'll work seven years for the hand for the betrothal of Rachel, that if I hold that the wages of Yaakov is only earned at the end, then Yaakov never gave a loan to Lavon, then when he betrothes at the end, the wedding, the betrothal of Rachel is done. That comes out that Rachel was the first wife of Yaakov because she automatically became his wife as soon as he finished the seven years' work. Then when he married Leah by mistake, he didn't want to divorce her. 
because he did not willingly transgress the Torah. True, eventually he transgressed the Torah because he married two sisters, but since the Torah was not yet given, when it happened, he accepted it. But willingly transgress the Torah, that he wouldn't do. But if I hold that the wages are payable every day at a time, meaning during the labor, and then it reverts as a loan, then comes out at the end of seven years, when Yaakov betrothes Rachel, that Yaakov is betrothing Rachel by forgiving the loan that Lavan owes him for all the wages that he was supposed to pay until now. And then we know when somebody betrothes by forgiving a loan, it is not a betrothal, then comes out that Rachel is not betrothed. Then according to this comes out that Leah is the first wife of Yaakov because Leah became betrothed through the relationship even though it was done by mistake. And then afterwards, when he goes to marry Rachel, then he is willingly transgressing the prohibition of the Torah of marrying two sisters. The Cheskunin now brings the Gemara in Kedushin, the Lamet Tes Omet Beis 39b, where there the Gemara has an argument if I hold the Tzchar Mitzvah Bahai Al Meleke or not, meaning that Hashem gives reward of mitzvahs in this world or only in the world to come. Technically, it should be that we should get rewards for mitzvahs in this world because since Hashem keeps the Torah and part of the Torah is the Mitzvah written in Dvarim chapter 24, verse number 15, that you require to pay the wages every day in its proper time, meaning as soon as the wages are earned, you require to pay it. And technically, since in this world we are working for Hashem, then as soon as we make something right, we make a mitzvah, we deserve payment for it. But the Cheskuni says that the Alshech in this parsha brings down that this idea that you get rewards for mitzvahs in this world or not, meaning schar mitzvah ba'ayal leke or ika, is dependent on the machlukes, on the argument that we mentioned previously of how we view the wages of a person. Meaning that if I view the wages of a person, that he is working every hour and he gets paid for every hour and that reverts later to a loan, then comes out, that since we earn every hour, then Hashem has to pay our wages right away, because Hashem doesn't want a loan. Hashem wants to pay as soon as possible. Then we would get rewards for mitzvah in this world. But if I hold that wages are only paid at the end, that means that all the mitzvahs that you are doing here in this world are part of your work, are hours of your work, and only at the end when you die, that is when the payment is due. And then Hashem has no choice because Hashem cannot pay you in this world because while in this world, you are still in the middle of your work. You haven't finished your work. You only finish your work when you die. And as soon after you die, Hashem pays you the reward, which means Hashem gives you the reward for mitzvahs in the world to come. So it comes out that according to the opinion that says that you get rewards in this world, that means that wages are accrued by the hour, every hour, every moment that you make. And if I hold that rewards for mitzvahs are only in the world to come, that means that wages are only accrued at the end. According to this, the Cheskuni says that the Madrash means to say the following, Yaakov wanted to be at peace. Why would he want to be at peace? Because Yaakov held that Tzchar Mitzvah 
Baha'i al that you get rewards for mitzvahs in this world, and since he had many mitzvahs, he thought that Hashem will give him the reward for mitzvahs in this world. But if you get rewards for mitzvahs in this world, that means that you hold that every moment that a person works, he accrues wages, and then the wages are payable. But if every moment he accrues wages, that comes out that when he betrothed Rachel for the work of seven years, the betrothal was not valid. Because since every moment he accrued it, that reverted to a loan. That means that the seven years' work was a loan, a big loan, and then somebody betrothed by a loan is not valid. Then comes out that according to Yaakov's own opinion, the fact that he wanted to live in peace that showed that the first marriage of Rachel, the marriage through the work, was not valid. That means that Leah was the first wife of Yaakov, and that means that Yaakov willingly transgressed the Torah by marrying two sisters, because when he marries Rachel after Leah, then he already knows that Leah is the wife, and he knows that Rachel is a sister, then he willingly transgresses the Torah, not by mistake, willingly. Then comes out, that he did something wrong. Therefore, since he did something wrong, then the Zohar is right that Yosef was sold by the sin of marrying two sisters. But if Yaakov wouldn't want to be on peace, then Yaakov would have showed that he holds that schar mitzvah, Baha'i al-Malakia, that you don't receive reward for mitzvahs in this world. That means that he holds that wages are paid only at the end. And if he holds that wages are only paid at the end, that means that his betrothal to Rachel was a valid betrothal because it was not alone. That means that Rachel was his first wife. Then when he marries Leah, the second wife was a mistake. Then Yosef would not have had to be sold. But the only reason that Yosef was sold is because Bikesh Yaakov, Yaakov decided that he should live Beshalva in tranquility. That means that his fit of receiving the rewards for mitzvahs in this world, that automatically showed that he holds that Wages are paid every moment of the time. That means that the work that he did for seven years was alone, and that means that Rachel's betrothal was not a betrothal. That means that Leah was his first wife. If Leah was his first wife, then when he marries Rachel, he willingly transgressed the Torah. Therefore, Yosef was sold. So the anger of Yosef came because Yaakov wanted to live in peace. Sefer Kastnas Or uses also the Gemara there in Kedushin that says Schair Mitzvah Baha'i Al-Malaka that there is no rewards for Mitzvah in this world and he bases us totally on that Gemara alone. The Gemara there says How does Rav Yaakov know that Schair Mitzvah Baha'i Al-Malaka that Hashem does not give rewards for Mitzvahs in this world? The Gemara says Rav Yaakov says that Eilecha Kol Mitzvah Mitzvah Shekesuv Batoira Shemat Nuschara Betzida that there is no mitzvah in the Torah, that the reward is written inside, that the resurrection of the dead is not dependent on that mitzvah. Meaning that the reward for the mitzvah is only for the world to come by the resurrection of the dead. And he explains, by kibbut avaem, by honoring your father and mother, it's written in Dvarim chapter 5, verse number 16, that we should honor our father and mother, Laman Yarichi Yomecha, in order that your days should lengthen, Laman and so that it may be good to you. And the mitzvah Shiluch HaKen, when you send away the mother bird, it's written there in Dvarim chapter 22, verse number 7, 
that when you happen to see a bird hovering over its nest and the eggs or chicks, then you should send away the mother bird and then take the eggs. So the verse there says that should be good to you, and your days will lengthen. Basically, the Gemara is saying that there are two mitzvahs that have written the reward next to them, the mitzvah of honoring your father and the mitzvah of sending away the mother bird. And both of them, it's written that you should have lengthened days and it will be good to you. So Rabbi Yaakov says, what happens if a father tells a son, go up to the tower and fetch me those birds. And the son goes up to the tower, thereby making the mitzvah of kibbut avaim, of honoring your father and mother, and sends away the mother birds and takes the chicks. And when he comes down, he falls and dies. Where is the good life of this person? Where is the lengthened days of this person? Therefore, it must be that when the Torah promises a good life, it means le'olam shekulotoyv, and a life and a world that's all good, means the world to come. And it promises you a long life, it promises you for the world that's entirely long. Meaning not in this world, but for the world to come. The Gemara asks a question, True, I understand that Rabbi Yaakov gives an example of somebody going up the tower and falling down on the way down and dying, and then obviously didn't have a long life, because even though he followed his father, didn't have a long life, but maybe something like that doesn't happen. The Gemara says, Rabbi Yaakov, Rabbi Yaakov actually saw a story like that. Meaning the story wasn't theoretical. Rabbi Yaakov actually saw in actuality a story like that where a man went up the tower at the request of his father to get some birds and he followed the midst of Kibbut Av and did the midst of Shiloh HaKain and yet when he came down he fell and died. Sefer Kasnas Or says that we see from that Gemara that had Rabbi Yaakov not actually seen the person going up the tower and falling, he would have held that Schar Mitzvah Bahai Al Meika, that Hashem actually give rewards for Mitzvah in this world. But once he actually saw what happened, that a man was following his father's order and he did the Mitzvah of sending away the mother bird and he still fell, then he had no choice, he had to hold that Hashem does not give reward for those mitzvahs in this world, and the rewards that are written in the Torah are only for the world to come. Based on that, Sefer Kosnas Or says that Yaakov Avinu also held that schar mitzvah Baha'i Alma'ika, that Hashem does give rewards for mitzvahs in this world, because since the Torah writes down the rewards for the mitzvahs, Yaakov felt that the rewards for the mitzvahs are going to be in this world. Therefore, Yaakov wanted to live at peace. But then, on chapter 37, verse number 13, when Yaakov is sending Yosef to his brothers, there the verse says, Yaakov tells Yosef, Your brothers are shepherding, are pasturing in Shechem. Go, and I will send you to them. And Yosef tells them, Hineni, I'm ready to go. Rashi says, Hineni, Loshna Nova is Jesus, that Hineni is a language of humility and enthusiasm. And Rashi continues, Nizdaris Lemitzvah Aviv, that Yosef was enthusiastic to make 
the mitzvah of his father. Even though he knows that his brothers hate him. Meaning that Yosef was ready to do the mitzvah of Kibbut Av with enthusiasm, even though Yosef knew that the brothers hate him. Comes out that Yosef, when he went to Shechem, was making the mitzvah of Kibbut Av, of honoring his father. So comes out also that Yosef, even though he was making the mitzvah of Kibbut Av, he was hurt because he never came back. And Yaakov thought that a wild animal had killed Yosef. Then comes out that even though the reward for the mitzvah of Kibbut Av is written in the Torah, but obviously the reward for the mitzvah cannot mean in this world, must mean in the world to come. Then automatically Yaakov's assumption that he could live in peace was wrong. Because of the anger of Yosef, because of what happened to Yosef, then Yaakov realized then Yaakov realized that his assumption to be in peace, to be in tranquility, because he deserves rewards for the mitzvahs in this world, was wrong. Because since Yosef was hurt, and Yosef was making the mitzvah of honoring his father, and in regards to Kibbut Av, we know that the reward is to have long days, and the rewards to have is to be good to you, and Yosef was harmed, then Yaakov understood that Hashem does not give rewards for mitzvahs in this world. Therefore, Yaakov stopped being at peace. And according to this, the continuation of the words of Rashi are very good. Because Rashi continues and says that Omar HaKudosh Baruch Hu, that Hashem says, Lo on le it's not enough for righteous people. Mash mesukan lohem, lo what's prepared for them, for the world to come. Elo shemavakshim leishev b'shalva bolmazeh, but they want to live tranquil also in this world. So we see clearly from there that Hashem is telling Yaakov that you want to have the reward in this world, but I only give reward for the next world, and in this world you don't get the reward. So therefore you have no right to be tranquil. Sefer Pardas Yosef wants to give an answer to this Rashi based on what is written in the second Posuk. The second Posuk in this week's Pasha says, Eletodos Yaakov, this is the offsprings of Yaakov, Yosef, Ben Shveas Reshono, Yosef was 17 years old, he was shepherding with his brothers by the flag, and he was a youth, as Bnei Bila, as Bnei Zilpa, together with the children of Bila and Zilpa, Neshei Aviv, the wife of the father, Vayove Yosef, and Yosef brought as the Bosom Ra, their evil reports alaviam to their father. Rashi explains why is Yosef together with Bnei Bilha and Bnei Zilpa, and why is it written Neshei Aviv, the wife of the father? Rashi answers Lefishayu Echov Vazim Oison that the brothers used to embarrass the Bnei Bilha and Bnei Zilpa, the and he Yosef used to befriend them. And Rashi explains in the next Rashi what was the evil reports that they used to say that used to embarrass the Bnei Bila Bnei Zilpa. Rashi says, that used to belittle the sons of the secondary wives, which are Bila and Zilpa, that used to call them slaves. Sefer Pardas Yosef explains 
that the machloikas, the argument between Yosef and his brothers, were the idea that if a master has relations with a slave woman, do we say that for sure the master freed the slave woman? Or do I say that no, the master wanted to have relations with a slave woman? Meaning that the Rambam in the 10th peric of Ilchas Gerushin, Allah Yutaz brings two opinions in this regard. He says that when somebody has relations with a slave woman, since we have a chazaka, we have a we have understanding that ein oidam oise beilasoi bilasnus, that person does not make his cohabitation a cohabitation of lewdness, meaning if a person has a choice, then he would make his cohabitation a cohabitation of marriage, and it is impossible to have a cohabitation of marriage with a slave woman. Therefore, the Rambam brings the first opinion that we assume that the master emancipated the slave woman before he had cohabitation with her, then she is considered a convert. Then when the master has relationships with a convert, the child is 100% Jewish because he had cohabitation with a Jewish woman and the child is 100% a legitimate child. But then the Rambam brings the second opinion, that the second opinion says that a person does in fact make the person does make a relationship of lewdness, then in that case the master did not emancipate the slave woman, and in that case the child that comes out of this slave woman, since she was not emancipated, is a real slave and is not Jewish at all. Sefer Pardas Yosef explains that this is the machlokas, this is the argument between Yosef and the brothers. Since Bila and Zilpa were shvachos, they were slave women, and Yaakov had relations with them. The brothers of Yosef felt that Yaakov had relationship with them, a relationship of lewdness. He never emancipated them, and if he never emancipated them, then the children of them are slaves. Therefore, the brothers called the children of Bila and Zilpa slaves. But Yosef, in the other hand, believed that if Yaakov had relations with Bill and Zilpo, it is impossible that Yaakov would have the relations with them without emancipating them. Then obviously Yaakov emancipated them and therefore they were legitimate children. Therefore Yosef was upset that the brothers called the Bnei Bila and Bnei Zilpo as slaves. Pardas Yosef continues and says that when the verse says that Yosef was bringing as the Bosom Ra El Aviam, that the evil reports to their fathers, the Pardas Yosef says that you have to understand it could also be read that the bad reports were on the father. There were bad reports on Yaakov, meaning that if the brothers called the children of Bila and Zilpah slaves, that was reflecting bad on Aviam, on Yaakov Avinu, because that meant that the brothers believed that Yaakov Avinu had a relationship with them, a relationship of Znus, a relationship of lewdness and not a relationship of marriage. So that was bad, Elaviam, to their father. Then Sefer Pardas Yosef brings a Gemara in Shabbos, the Yud of base 10b, which is a famous Gemara. The Gemara says, The Omar Rav Abamachse, Omar Rav Chomabaguria, Omar Rav, Rav Abamachse says in the name of Rav Chomabaguria, name of Rav, Le'oilam al Yeshan Odom Bnoi Ben Abonim, a person should never show favoritism from one son amongst the other sons. Shabishvil Mishkal Shnei Sloim Milas, 
that because of the weight or of the price of two sloim of fine wool, Shenosa Yaakov Yosef, that Yaakov gave to Yosef, Yoiser Mishar Bonov, more than other children, Niskanu Boechov, the brothers became jealous, and the matter evolved until our forefathers had to go down to Egypt. Meaning that Yaakov showed favoritism by giving the special tunic, the Ksoines Passim, to Yosef. And because of that, the brothers became jealous. And because of the jealousy, they sold Yosef. And because of that, Yosef went down to Egypt. And because of that, the Jewish people were enslaved in Egypt. Tois was there, asks a question, how can you blame Yaakov Avinu's favoritism for going down to Egypt when we know that we found that it's already written in Bereshis chapter 15, verse number 13, in the Brisbane Absorim, the covenant between the parts, that Hashem told Avram Avinu that you should truly know the strangers are going to be your children in a land that's not theirs, Vavodum, and they'll be enslaved. Vinioisom, and they'll be afflicted. Abameyashona, 400 years. So it was already a decree from Brisbane Absorim that the Jewish people will be afflicted in Egypt. Then how can the Gemara blame Yaakov for that when the decree is already an old decree? And Toysus gives a weak answer, and Toysus says that Shemo could be that had it not been for Yaakov's Ovinu's favoritism and the jealousy, the Jewish people would not be enslaved as harshly as they were. Meaning that from the 400 years we will be enslaved, but not a hard labor. But because of the jealousy between the brothers, we got a harsher labor. That is Toysva's answer. But the Pardas Yosef is going to give a different answer. The Pardas Yosef asks that here says Vayeshev Yaakov that Yaakov is resting. He wants to be in tranquility. The question begs, how can Yaakov want to be in tranquility when Yaakov clearly knows that there is already a decree from the time of Avram Avinu that the strangers will be your children in a land that's not theirs and they'll be afflicted and be enslaved for 400 years. Then clearly he cannot be in peace. He has to be afflicted. Then why would Yaakov even assume that he could be at peace? The Pardas Yosef answers that Yaakov Avinu thought that since there is more children of Avraham, i.e. Ishmael, Ishmael is also a child of Avraham, then the part that says that Geri Yezaracho, that strangers will be your children and they'll be afflicted, should continue with Ishmael. Yaakov thought that he already took his portion of the affliction, meaning that he was already afflicted with Dina, with Lavan and with Esau, then the other part of the affliction should be by somebody else, Ishmael. Therefore, Yaakovinu wanted to be in tranquility because he wanted Ishmael to take part of that burden that was the covenant between the parts that the children of Abraham Vinu will be afflicted. We know that Ishmael is the child of Hagar, which was the slave woman of Sarah Imenu. Then the Pardas also says that in order for Yaakov Avinu to assume that, that Ishmael is going to take the burden, we have to say that Yaakov Avinu holds that when you have relations with a slave woman, automatically that slave woman becomes free. And therefore, when Avram Avinu had relations 
with Hagar, Hagar automatically became free, and now Ishmael is a legitimate child of Avram Avinu. And that is the reason why Yaakov Avinu feels that why should he take the whole burden? Let Ishmael take the burden, and therefore Yaakov Avinu wanted to be in tranquility. But what happened to change that? Yosef happened to change it, meaning Yosef came and told his father that the brothers are calling the Bnei Bila and Bnei Zilpah Avadim slaves. That means that the brothers, who are a majority, are ruling, that when you have relations with a slave woman, we don't assume automatically that you freed that slave woman. We believe that the Beila, that the relationship that you have was a relationship of immorality, of lewdness, a Beila's znus. Therefore, the child that is born from that relation is a slave. If the child that is born from that relation is a slave, then retroactively comes out that when Avram Avinu had relations with Hagar, we can't assume that Avram Avinu emancipated Hagar, and therefore the child is a legitimate child. We must assume that when Avram Avinu had a relationship with Hagar, he had a relationship with a slave woman, and the child that was born is a slave. If the child is a slave, then it's not considered the child of Avram Avinu. Then comes out that Ishmael cannot take part of the burden of the covenant between the parts that the children of Avram Avinu will be afflicted for 400 years because Ishmael is not considered a child of Avram Avinu. So therefore he says that this is the meaning of this Rashi. That Yaakov wanted to be in tranquility because he wanted Ishmael to take part of the burden. The story of Yosef jumped on him, and from the story of Yosef, he realized that the brothers hold that when a master has a relation with a slave woman, nonetheless the children are considered slaves. Therefore, Yaakov's tranquility had to end. And according to this idea, the part that Yosef says, now we could answer Toysef's question. Toysef's question was, how can the Gemara say that the selling of Yosef is what caused the Jewish people to go down to Egypt, when we know that this was already decreed by the covenant between the parts. And the answer is that had it not been for the sale of Yosef, which showed that the brothers hold when a master has a relations with a slave woman, that the child is considered a slave, then the Jewish people didn't have to go down to Egypt because the debt of being a stranger and being afflicted could be done by Ishmael. But now that they sold Yosef because they ruled that when a master has a relationship with a slave woman, then the child is a slave, that dismissed Ishmael from being a child of Avram Avinu. Therefore, Ishmael cannot take the burden. Therefore, the Jewish people have to take the burden. So it comes out that because of what happened in the sale of Yosef, therefore the Jewish people ended up going to Egypt, even though it was already decreed by the covenant between the parts. Because otherwise, the bill would have been paid by the children of Ishmael, but now that the brothers ruled that Ishmael is a slave, then the bill has to be paid by the Jews, and therefore that caused the Jewish people to go down to Egypt. So therefore the Gemara is right that the sale of Yosef caused the Jewish people to go down to Egypt. Sefer Becha Zitzchak gives an interesting answer based on the Shlach Kodesh in Matzah Shmure. The Shlach Kodesh in Matzah Shmure innovates that the Gezerah ben Absarim, that the covenant between the parts was supposed to be for 400 years, but because of the anger and the hatred between the brothers and Yosef, 
that had a sin as Achim, therefore it caused that the enslavement in Egypt was actually for 430 years. And he actually has an interesting proof from the verse in Parshas Bo. Verse in Parshas Bo in Shmos chapter 12, verse number 40, it says, O Moishav B'nai Israel, and the dwelling, the habitation of the children of Israel, Asha Yashu B'Mitzrayim, that they dwelled in Egypt, was Shloishim Shana, Arba Meir Shana, 430 years. And then it says, after 430 years, it was in the middle of this day, Yotsu called Tzivos Hashem, all the legions of Hashem went out of Egypt. So we see clearly that it is written 430 years. And Rashi there asks the question that we know that has been 400 years from the birth of Yitzchak. What is the meaning of 430 years? And Rashi answers that is 430 years from Briz Ben Absarim, from the covenant between the parts, from when Hashem gave the prophecy that the Jewish people are going to be enslaved. And Sefer Bechaz Yitzchak explains that clearly that has to be alluded somehow in the verse in the covenant between the parts. Therefore, he says that when you read the verse in Bereshit, chapter 15, verse number 13, where Hashem tells to Avram, Yodoya Teda, you should surely know that strangers will be your children in a land that's not theirs. So he says that Yodeya Teda, that when Hashem said you should surely know, that means that it will start now. Once you know, then the 400 years will start. And then he says that strangers will be your children, which could start when you have children. Therefore, he explains that Hashem was alluding that there is going to be an option. You could either start the 400 years from now, from the covenant between the parts, or you could start the 400 years from the birth of Yitzchak, as Rashi explains that that is what eventually happened. But nonetheless, Hashem alluded it originally by that. And what is the determining factor? The determining factor will be if the Jewish people are going to be united, then all they're going to have to spend is 400 years from the covenant between the parts. But if there's going to be strife between brothers, hatred between brothers, then I'm going to extend that period for another 30 years from the birth of Yitzchak. And the Bechaz Yitzchak explains why specifically the Hashem picked 30 years. The Bechaz Yitzchak explains that we take a look and Parshas Mikhaes Chapter 41, verse number 47. There it's written that the Yosef ben Shloishim Shana, Yosef is 30 years old, when he stood in front of Paroi, the king of Egypt, meaning at the age of 30, Yosef became a viceroy in Egypt, and there he became in charge of the whole land, which means that up to the age of 30, Yosef suffered by his brothers. Because of the hatred of his brothers, Yosef suffered all the way up to the age of 30. So therefore it was added 30 years to the decree that you are going to be enslaved in Egypt. According to this, Sefer Berchas Yitzchok explains that this is the meaning of our Rashi. Yaakov Avinu saw in the future that the decree is supposed to be 400 years. And he thought the 400 years is going to be from the Bris Ben Absarim, from the covenant between the parts. 
And therefore, Bikesh Yaakov, Yaakov wanted to stay in tranquility, meaning not now, but in the end of 400 years, he figured will be in tranquility. But Kafat Olof, Rogzush Yosef, it jumped on him, the anger that the brothers had on Yosef, the fight between the brothers, and that caused that there's going to be another 30 years of enslavement. And according to this idea, the Bechazitzok now answers the question on Toysvers in Shabbos, that there the Gemara says, that because Yaakov gave the extra Ksonis Pasim to Yosef, that caused jealousy, and that is the reason why they went down to Egypt. And Toysvers asks there, will you know that the reason that we went down to Egypt wasn't because of the anger between brothers, it was because of the covenant between the parts. And the Perchazitzog explains that based on this law that says that because of the hatred between the brothers, it was added 30 years, we could say that this is what the Gomorrah means to say, that because of the brothers' fight, therefore we ended up being another 30 years. Meaning that going down to Egypt really was because of the covenant between the parts. But the enslavement for extra 30 years was because of the jealousy between brothers, and therefore both answers are reconciled. Meaning the covenant with the parts was originally supposed to be only... 400 years from the covenant, but because of the strife between the brothers, it was caused to be extended an extra 30 years, where now it starts from the birth of Yitzchak. So both of them are true. The jealousy between brothers also caused us to stay longer in Egypt. Now, Shemizborach should help that we shouldn't have any strifes with one another. We should learn from this that we should always view each other in a favorable way, we should have Avas Chinam, then we'll merit have Mushiach come, the base Amigdash rebuilt, Bimheira Bayameinu Amen.